All right. Uh, let me just say welcome to everybody that's here, but also to all of you that are online. We're so glad you're with us this morning. Today, I want to introduce our theme for 2023, which is empowered. So empowered over the next number of weeks will be uh, our theme, and we'll be doing a study. I mean, like our little logo here. I love that. Look. So we're going to be empowered, and we're going to be doing going through the book of Acts and how Jesus took his team, called the church, and empowered them. Now, the book of Acts is about the church in action. It's about team church and how they were empowered to win against their foe. And really, like I, I say this a lot, we were meant to beat the snot out of the devil and his cronies. All right? Uh, okay, don't whoop me up. Thanks for that really good response. All right. Did you know the book of Acts is one of only two books in the New Testament that does not have an amen at the end? And that's because the book of Acts is a continuance or a continuation of the ministry of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and his team taking place today. When it's all over, this is what you have a chance or an opportunity to get your name in the book. When they're reading this book in heaven, you might be in it if you continue the ministry of Jesus. Now, all the miracles, all the events uh, are the template for the, uh, and the pattern of the New Testament church in the book of Acts. It gives us the first 60 years of the church and what the team accomplished. So this book is our blueprint to build a local church. So let me just say this. If you're new here, uh, we want to clarify for clarity's sake, we want, sake, we want you to understand we're not trying to build a church that uh, is built according to a denomination or a pattern uh, to emulate from some of the successful churches, we would say, are great churches that are around our nation today, even though we glean and learn from them. We're trying to build from the template that God laid out in the book of Acts. So I love the way Luke wrote this book. Uh, I love the way he wrote to his unbelieving friend, Theophilus. Uh, theologians believe that Theophilus was some guy that was probably high up in the Roman government. And I love the way he, he writes it out and uh, he does not hold anything back. And my cry is, do it again, Lord. Do it again in our day. So let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on. Let's make our prayer declaration together. Say this with me. This is my Bible. God's holy word. This book is alive and is powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare by faith, I can do all it says I can do. I can be all it says I can be, and I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can leave here changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to be looking in just a moment in Acts chapter 1, but let me just give you, I've, I've titled, titled this message, The Believer's Advantage. So let me give you the definition of advantage. It means a position of superiority it is God-given favor for success. 
In other words, you got an advantage. You didn't deserve it, but God gave it to you because you're one of his kids. And the number one advantage today uh, that a couple teams have in the playoffs is what they call the home field advantage. They're playing on their home field, which gives them a superior edge over their opponent. They have the crowd cheering for them, and they have the noise factor. And I just want to say this. Every Sunday that you're in church, you have a home field advantage. You, you've got the, the crowd in heaven cheering. You've got us cheering, and you've got the noise factor. And I'm telling you, when people, uh, God's people worship God, you've got some advantage over the enemy right there. Now, this team, they've seen Jesus do amazing things over the last three and a half years. And Jesus even let them in uh, a couple things and let them get their feet wet. A couple times they got to go out and witness and cast out demons. But now it's going to be game time shortly, and they're going to need some advantages against their foe because Jesus physically won't be there. So I want to give you five advantages. There are many more, but these are just five that I wanted to give you today. And here's the first one. The believer's first advantage is the prayer advantage. I don't know if you have noticed, but quarterbacks in the NFL can have communication. Also, the, the defense, defensive uh, guy that's the, the main person on the defense can also have communication. So they have communication with their coaches through their helmets. And if you've ever noticed when they're playing, many of the quarterbacks will walk away, put their hands over the ear holes of their helmet so they can hear what the coach is trying to tell them. Now, one of the things about the helmet is that there's a catch. It's one-way communication. In other words, that mean, means the coach can relay a message to the quarterback or to the head guy on defense, but the quarterback cannot communicate back. So these helmets are also marked with a green dot. And uh, the referees can then know, be made aware of, who has communication uh, with the coaches on the sideline. And I just want you to know, prayer is like that. There's a mark on your head as a believer, and your enemy knows you have the ability to communicate with your Heavenly Father and with the Holy Spirit, and he knows that as you do that through prayer and you wait on God to hear the next play, that makes you one dangerous foe, all right? Acts 1, 4 through 5 says this. On one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. In other words, don't do another thing, boys, until this. But wait for the gift of my, fa my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was saying, boys, I'm about to give you the next play. But if you listen closely, I will give you an advantage that will give you a superior edge over your enemy. Boys, the Super Bowl of Christianity is about to start. And I'm preparing you to cover, to, to hear the next place. So cover the ear holes of your helmet. In other words, block out all the outside noise and get focused on me and I will give you the next move. And then I think he said to Peter, and Peter, just keep your mouth shut for a little bit. 
Prayer is a secret weapon. The enemy doesn't have, uh, that the enemy doesn't have, and it gives you and I direct communication to our Heavenly Father. So they prayed, they worshiped, and they waited. And as they did that, God began to give them an advantage. So the next advantage is this, the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, They were empowered with the wind of the Holy Spirit that blew like a rushing mighty wind into the room and onto their lives, and the fire of the Holy Spirit rested on each of them. And, And let me just say this about the fire of God. Sometimes you don't think there's a fire on you, but everybody else can see it. You can't see it on yourself, but you can look at somebody else and go, then there's an anointing on them. I want you to know, as a believer, you can get the fire of God on you. You may not sense it, but everybody else will, all right? Now, the definition of empowerment means to give power or authority to another to enable So again, let let me read that again. To give power or authority to another, to enable. In other words, Jesus baptizes them in the Holy Spirit with power to witness, to have authority, to do miracles, to advance his kingdom through prayer, to intercede for others. He he gives them uh, 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 empowerment against the kingdom of darkness. And guess what? The church grew in numbers. The church grew in boldness and witnessing, and they became a force on the field. Now, you and I need to know, and you can write this down, the Christian life is impossible without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You and I were never meant to reach our destiny, fulfill our purpose without dependence upon Jesus Christ and the power of his indwelling spirit. It is all about Jesus working through surrendered, empowered lives. God never called us into a life of greatness that we could accomplish on our own. We can only do it with dependence upon him. So Jesus tells them in verse 8 of Acts chapter 1, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses or be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. In other words, start at home and work your way throughout the world. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. Now just imagine that. He's talking to him. He tells him these words and then all of a sudden he just starts rising up and they're like, Jesus, where are you going? That's what I would have been. Where are you going? He doesn't say, and they see him disappear in a cloud like you see an airplane. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? In other words, you were never meant to stay here. Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And I just want you to know, I'm, in, in August, I plan on doing a sermon called, He's Coming Back Differently Than the Way He Came the First Time. All right? Now, there are three baptisms. This is not on your notes, but I want to give them to you so that you can just remember what the Christian life is about. The first baptism is the baptism by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. It's salvation. And this is being born again. It's not something we do. It's not just a simple prayer but it is 
faith in what the work of Jesus Christ, and this is a work of the Holy Spirit that you didn't do, but he comes and convicts you of sin, draws you in, and you say to yourself, I know something's speaking to me. I know God's talking to me. And so, Lord, I ask you today to forgive me. I believe in your death, burial, and resurrection, and I confess that you are my Savior, and he comes into your life. And that's a work of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read a verse to you, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. It says, some of us Jews... Are, some, are gen, some of us are Jews, some, of, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. In other words, when people come to know Jesus, it's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not about a denomination. It's about we all believe in Jesus Christ. All right? Now, the second baptism is the baptism of water. And it's a command. Jesus said, repent and be baptized in water for the remission of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. So baptism uh, by another disciple. This is, so the first one's done by the Holy Spirit. This is done by another disciple in water, public testimony of your faith and breaking the power of your past. So it does two things. You, you do a public confession that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and you let everybody know. You might have done it in private, but you get baptized to let everybody know publicly, I'm not ashamed of this Savior that I'm married to. And then number two, it breaks the power of your past. You go down into the water, symbolizing you're identifying with his death, and then you come up in a new identity. I'm now a new believer in Christ. The old is gone, the past is gone, and the new begins, all right? So I'm, and you're no longer a slave to sin. And I, I just want you to know, you can dabble back in your past, but you were never meant to go there. You're never meant to go back to it and live in it. You were meant to live a victorious Christian life through the power of the Holy Spirit, which brings us to the third baptism, baptism by Jesus into the power of the Holy Spirit. So you get saved through the Holy Spirit. You get baptized by another disciple, and you get baptized in the Holy Spirit by the power of Jesus Christ. All right? So it's where the gifts and the fruit are released in your life. You begin to look like Jesus. You begin to look, live like Jesus in his power so your world will want Jesus Christ. And I've had, there's lots of churches today that will emphasize the fruit of the Spirit, the character of God, which how many know we all need? You should, if you claim to be a Christian, you should start looking like Jesus. But then there's another uh, uh, group of churches that emphasize the gifts of the Spirit. It's all about the power. They have power, but they don't have character. Let me just say this. It's the fruit, the character of God, and the power of God, the gifts of the Spirit that come together into one believer and make them dynamite. That's what makes the Christian different. And a Christian who looks like Jesus, who lives in the power of Jesus, is a dynamite Christian. All right, so take advantage of those three baptisms. Now, so the next thing, the next advantage you get, after you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get a personal coach. This is where you get coached up. In football and other sports, they have specialized coaches. If you go to the Seahawks facility, uh, I should say facilities, they have a room where the whole team meets together like we are right here. They have an offensive room. This is what I would call, this is where the prophets and evangelists go. And you want to get fired up. You want to get in the offense and learn the, 
learn the playbook. But then you also have a defensive room. This is where you get the CR room. This is the deliverance room. This is where you become discipled and become free from all the stuff that's had in your life. Then you have strength coaches and weight coaches that help you learn the word of God over and over again so you get stronger. And they have a place where they test people for drugs. That's the CR room, by the way. All right, so all that stuff. They have a video room to learn the strategies of their foes. So they get in the video room and they study uh, a film on the the opposing person or opposing team they're going to fight the next week. They, they have special teams. So they have a kickoff team, a receiving team, along with defense and offense. And they have a place for people to eat there. It's a five-star dining hall. They have chefs there. I've always wanted a chef at our church. <laughs> I told that. Somebody came up to me and said, you already have a personal chef, Pastor Doug. Uh, I said, what do you mean? Well, you don't cook. We know who cooks. <laughs> So Lois is my personal chef. Okay. Anyway, they have, they have facility janitors, locker room janitors, shower janitors. And as the players are under their different rooms, I heard one person say this. All the coaches were saying, coach them up, boys. What they were saying is, it's game time. Get them ready for the game. It's time to get ready because game day, game day is right around the corner. And that is what the Holy Spirit does for us. He coaches us up. Look at these verses, John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you or coach you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard, and he will tell you about the future. You have an advantage over the enemy because you know things he doesn't even know. You get to know the future if you just cover the ear holes and listen. He'll tell you what's coming up next. John 14, 26. When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Uh, I don't know about you. The older I get, it's harder to remember certain things. My wife is always forgetting where she put her phone. Last night, she's saying, where's my phone? Where's my phone? She pushes a little dingy on her phone. Thank, thank God she has a watch, iWatch. And it was right next to me on, on the little lampstand. Oh, there it is right there. Yeah, yeah. But here's a good thing. The Holy Spirit will remind you of right verses at the right time that you might need that you think you forgot, but he will quicken your mind and bring it back to remembrance. So I, I feel like I have the Holy Spirit, and then I have my wife in my life who I can say, what verse was that? And she usually knows the verse and where it, the reference where it's found. So it's great having both Holy Spirit and Lois. All right, now... <laughs> He also uses coaches in the church, human coaches, called apostles, which are fathers of the faith. They start churches, but sometimes they're just the foundation layers, but they are like the, the spiritual fathers that you can go to. I believe everybody should have a spiritual father in your life coaching you up. But there's prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and why are they there? It says in Ephesians 4, 11, 12, says to equip you to do what? the work of the ministry. In other words, you cannot be a Christian and be on the team and say that's Pastor Doug's job. No, you need to find your role, your job, and get involved in the game, all right? So you need to know the voices of your coaches and then the ones that God's placed in your life. 
If you do not and you listen to the wrong coach, it will derail you. But over time, as you listen to the right voices, it is like stepping on an escalator and they will take you to new heights and new levels in your spiritual life. Now, you need to know every, every, every team are, usually has a GOAT. Now, you know what GOAT stands for? Greatest of all time. So we know in football that Tom Brady is the GOAT. But I want you to know this. No GOAT becomes the greatest of all time without a coach. When everybody talks about Tom Brady, they talk about Bill Belichick. When they, when they talk about Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson did not get great without Pete Carroll. And now he needs Pete Carroll again. Okay, that, I'm so sorry. You and I need someone that speaks into our lives that will take us higher into new levels spiritually. I, I want you to know, I, I meet with Pastor Frank DiMazio once a month. He's a coach in my life. Jenny Smith is a coach in Lois's in my life. Craig and Moni, uh, Moni Lotz, who uh, uh, pastor a church in Spokane, they're on our executive team. They coach into our lives. And I want you to know, as you're being coached, this is where you learn the playbook for your team and for your life. This is where you learn the mission, the vision, and the core values. This is where you learn the what, why, and how of what you're all about and what we're all about and how you fit on the team. This is where you learn that uh, what you're doing over here will affect what's going on over there. We have an offense and we have a defense and whatever this does affects that and whatever that does affects this. So understand, your role is so important, it affects the whole. You are not by yourself, all right? So the Holy Spirit as your personal coach is a great advantage and he comes to prepare you for the game. Now the next advantage he gives you is this. He empowers you to get in the game. Now, I say that because I believe many folks have been spectators for way too long. And the Holy Spirit is calling you to be part of the team. See, many people get saved. They get baptized in water. They even get baptized in the Holy Spirit. They get the jersey. But in other words, after you get the jersey, you need to know this. But are you ready when your number's called to get into the game? Or have you just been sitting on the sidelines saying, nobody notices me. I just, I just don't, I never get used. Just be faithful. Show up. Get into practice. You're at practice today. This is practice, by the way. This is not where the game's at. All right? But you're, you're here. You're in the practice. And just so you know, you get the jersey. You get your number on it. But when your number is called, are you ready to get in the game? Did you know that Tom Brady was a sixth-round pick uh, in the draft? He was a backup to, uh, to Drew Bledsoe on the Patriots, and he, uh, he never got one. I think he got one play in his rookie season. The second season in the second game, Drew Bledsoe, who I really like because Drew Bledsoe came from, from uh, the Cougars, from Washington State. And he was there for quite a few years. But in the second game, he got hurt. Brady came in in relief, and Drew Bledsoe was never called on again. So Tom Brady, out of 20 years with the Patriots, went to the Super Bowl nine times. 
That's amazing. Almost 50%. No quarterback's ever done that. And out of those nine times, he won six of those Super Bowls. He, 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 he was ready to go when his name was called, all right? Now, Brock Purdy, whom some people don't like, but I believe the 49ers are going to win today. Thank you. A few of you. Okay. They're going to win today. They'll be in the Super Bowl in two weeks. But Brock Purdy was the last person picked in the draft. Not just the last quarterback. He was the last person to be picked in the draft. You know what they call that guy? I got told in the last service, he's Mr. Irrelevant. But guess what? In the 13th game, when the quarterback got hurt, he was the third quarterback for the 49ers. He comes into the game, leads them to victory. They haven't lost since he came, uh, came on the team or started quarterbacking. And guess how he signs his autographs now? Mr. Relevant. Mr. Relevant. And what I'm trying to say is that you and I never know when our number is going to be called. So stay faithful. Stay steadfast. Let God mold you and shape you and let God prepare you so when your number gets called and your time comes, you step into the game with integrity. You step in prayed up, powered up, ready to go because you never know when the Holy Spirit said your time comes. I pastored, Lois and I pastored youth for 12 years as a volunteer. And I remember saying to Lois, do you think my time will ever come where they're going to put me on staff? She said, don't worry about it. I said, well, I, I am worried about it. And I wanted to be used, and I wanted to be called, and I really wanted that opportunity. And it just seemed to never come. But when the time finally came, I didn't even know it was coming. I'm sitting in a restaurant. You've heard this story. And uh, the pastor offered uh, a new job. There was a new job. He offered it to another guy. And, the new, and so he said, uh, I need a couple weeks. So we took two weeks, came back. And the guy declined, and I'll never forget, I was out of work. I'll never forget, the pastor looked at me and said, well, Doug, do you want the job? You're the only one unemployed here. <laughs> That's how I got drafted. Wow. Not knowing that my number was going to be called, but let me just say this. I stayed faithful. I stayed in the game. We stayed faithful. We were there when the time came, and we were able to step right into the role of being youth pastors for a couple years, and then... Uh, eventually stepped into the senior role. I, I, I got a word for some of you today. Your time is coming. Stay faithful. Stay in the game. Stay prayed up. Stay powered up because you never know when your number is going to be called. So don't feel bad about yourself. Don't feel bad about what you think. I'm telling you, God sees you not as you see yourself, but he sees you as the potential that he put in you all the time. So now I tell people all the time, we are not the church for everybody, but we are the church for somebody. And I believe there are many great church teams in our area that many people can belong to. You can go to Cornerstone, now just a few blocks down the road. You can go to Emmanuel Baptist over in Oakwim, Harbor Assembly in Oakwim. You can go to Light and Life down the street over there. You can go to New Beginnings over here on B Street. You can go to Grace Harbor Foursquare 
out in Central Park. You go to Calvary Chapels that are in Aberdeen and Montesano. There are many great churches and many great teams, and I realize that we are not the church for everybody, but we are the church for somebody, and we want the right somebodies to be part of this team. So Jesus is getting his team in place to give them an advantage wherever they go and whatever they uh, the enemy throws at them. And let me just say this. Together as the body of Christ, if we won't be in competition, but we'll be in completion, together we will kick the devil's fanny and we will see Grace Harbor come to know Jesus Christ. All right? Now, uh, let me just say that whatever the enemy threw at them or throws at them, they have an advantage of prayer. They have the advantage of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They have an advantage of a personal coach. And the next advantage is they become part of a local church team. So if this is not your team, then find one and become part of it because the local church makes all the difference in all in our local areas. Did, did you realize the first thing Jesus did before he revealed himself as the Messiah uh, to the world, he picked out a team. And I mean, this team was a crusty bunch. They, they, were, they were not, we wouldn't have picked some of those folks on our team. But they kind of remind me of the people God's put on our team. They, some, some of them were mouthy. Some, some of them doubted. They doubted the plan. If you've watched The Chosen at all, you can see Peter all the time. Uh, are you sure you want to do that, Jesus? You know, at times, Jesus did miracles, and they still doubted he was the son of God. At times, they had anger issues. They had pride issues. Jesus, this is what we want you to do for us. And Peter even went on a little cussing tirade, which means there's hope for many of you today. <laughs> so Jesus picks this team, and they all had issues, and Jesus puts in print in the Bible, he puts their weaknesses for uh, all of us to see because he's showing us is that God doesn't pick perfect people, but what he does is he, once he calls them, he qualifies them, anoints them, molds them, and shapes them, and then helps them fulfill the position they were called to do on the team. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Why? So we can help each other. So your gift was never about you. It was never for yourself. It's not so you can be noticed. It's so you can make the team better and make a difference wherever the whoever the team plays against, all right? So not only do we get prayed up, powered up, coached up, uh, get our position on the team uh, and get in the game, but when you get in the game, you need to have the edge. You need to believe you are here to win through the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to believe you have the power to overcome and win. I heard a saying the other day that says this, persistence defeats resistance. Persistence defeats resistance. So 
when you get in the game, you may be knocked down, you may get hurt, you may even get knocked out, but the power of the Holy Spirit will empower you to get back up again. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he will rise again. And when you don't understand where you're at, you just wait on the Holy Spirit for wisdom and for understanding, and he will guide you, and his timing is perfect in every way for your life. Now, why? Because you're on a team and in a game that has no end until Jesus comes back. So stay coached up, trained up, prayed up, ready, uh, powered up. And all the time, if you do that, you never know when your number will be called. Now, which takes us to the next advantage, the last advantage, and that's this. There is more to come. Say that with me. There is more to come. So what we see on the outside, sometimes we wonder if we are really making a difference. You look in the mirror and you go, God, how can you use this? What, what can you do with it? Lord, I don't have many talents. I don't have many giftings. I'm not a garrison. I'm not a gen. I'm not the super music person. Uh, I, I, for me, I, I feel like I don't speak well, but I know this. When the Holy Spirit gets on your life, you can do anything, all right? So you need to know when God looks at your story, he looks at it through the lens of grace. He looks at the lens of his glory on your life. And what you see on the outside, he doesn't see because he sees the power and blood of his son on your life. He sees the, the residence of the Holy Spirit on your life. And I want you to know he sees you growing and changing little by little. Now, I read a story about Tom Brady's jersey the other day, and this is what I discovered. That's why I wore the jersey again today. First of all, I paid a lot for it, so uh, I need to get my money's work. But this is what I found out. This jersey I'm wearing today, $10 it costs for a creative license for the NFL to, to draw it up. And then it costs about $10 of material to make it. And then it costs another $10 of labor to, to make it and then ship it. So this jersey is worth about $30, but it sells for $130. But do you know the last jersey that Tom Brady wore in the last Super Bowl, do you know what it sold for? Over a half million dollars. Over $500,000. Now, I just want you to know, uh, it wasn't laced with gold. It wasn't the special material. It was sold for that amount because of the one wearing the jersey. And I want you to know, he, he, he had a valuable gift that made the jersey valuable. You are wearing the jersey of Team Jesus on your life, and you make it valuable. Don't waste it. Get in the game. Get anointed by the Holy Spirit and make a difference, and let's see Grace Harbor come under the power of God and see the enemy push back in our day, all right? Now, let me, let me just say this. We do it all for this. By the time it's all done, 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness. No greater reward than that, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Are you looking forward to Jesus coming back? Yeah. Me too, but I want to get the job and the assignment done that he has given me. Paul was saying, this is what I'm after. Tom Brady, a couple years ago, uh, was asked, 
Which Super Bowl ring was his favorite? You know what he said? The next one. Because Tom Brady was saying, I'm not living in the past. I want you to know, I know some of you have been bruised, hurt, betrayed, gone through certain things in your life, but I'm telling you this, don't live in the past. Let God bring you into the future and make a difference on Team Jesus because he's got great things in store for you. Let's stand up. And I'm telling you this morning, the best is yet to come. You need to know this. Jesus was saying, guys, I'm going to give you an advantage. Do you know why? Because the enemy is going to come after you. Here's here's what happened on Pentecost Sunday. Peter got up, preached under the power of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people were saved. And it says, and they were baptized. Talk about uh, an amazing baptism day. And then the next day, it seems like, or in the next few days, a lame man's healed as Peter and John are on their way to the temple. So a lame man gets healed, and then 5,000 men, not counting women and children, get saved again. And then they get arrested. I just want you to know, being on Team Jesus doesn't mean everything will be easy. What it means is you're going to knock the snot out of the devil, and he's not going to like it. He's going to come after you. But they get arrested, and guess what? Then the believers began to pray. The place was shaken, and more miracles were on their way, more people getting saved. And the next thing you know, half of Jerusalem is getting saved by the power of God. And they cast out demons, and they raised the dead, and many, many more miracles came. And I'm telling you this, there is more. All right, every eye bowed, every eye closed. You walked in here today with past tragedies. You walked in here today with brokenness. You walked in here today with hurts and betrayals. But I want you to know there's more to come. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand to commit your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you did it one time. Maybe you're a, a prodigal. But I'm telling you, Jesus wants you to be on his team. He died so you would be on his team. And I, you can open your eyes just for a moment. Listen, Jesus wants to give you the ball. He wants you to carry the ball. And here's what I want you to do. When you get the ball taken and given to you, hold it tight. Wrap it up so you don't fumble it. So you can be everything God called you to be. Don't hold back. Give it your best. Because when you get it, God's going to do great things through your life. All right. Who, who has teenage kids? Raise your hand. There you go. And here's a here's a tea for you. All right. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus wants to give you the ball today. And if you're that one, you know the Holy Spirit's talking to you. He's, the coaches come to your life today and say, "Today's your day." And if that's you, and you know it's your time. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. Say, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Anyone here like that, raise them high so I can see them. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Keep them high. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Any more? At least twelve. That's awesome. Come on, give the Lord a big hand. It takes guts to do that. You guys are awesome. Now, here's what we do here. As you come on Team Jesus, you're not by yourself. It's not just you and Jesus. It's you, Jesus, and the local church team. So we all pray this prayer together. Say this with me. Father God, thank you for loving me so much. 
that you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, all my mistakes, all my failures. Come into my life and be my savior, my Lord, my boss, my friend, and my king. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, here's what we're going to do now. You came in here today, maybe you've been a believer, but you need prayer. You need help. If you gave your life to Jesus, get up here and tell somebody, because it says, if you confess your sins to somebody else, you will be healed. And Jesus said this, if you confess before men, then I'll confess you before my Father. But if you're ashamed, then I won't confess you before my Father. So be bold, be strong. Tell somebody to help you get started on your walk with God. But let's sing, let's worship, and let's be bold for Jesus, all right?